0: Greetings, everyone. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons, and it's Thursday, December the 14th, and this is Narrative Wars. Today, we dig a bit deeper into some of the topics that we discussed earlier this week. We begin with mentally unstable climate activists that are becoming more prevalent around the world. And secondly, we listen to Professor Emeritus and former chair of the School of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences at the Georgia Institute, Dr. Judith Curry, and what she has to say about this particular topic. These stories and the bigger picture, all on today's episode of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and you don't want to miss this. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars, with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired, so it's our- climate change warriors across the globe are on a mission to force their message down the throats of everyone by any means necessary. Let's take a listen to this first cut. It's from Sky News Australia, October 18th, 2023. The epidemic of mentally unstable climate activists. This is 53 seconds. Cut number 1A.
1: Climate activists have always been extreme. You usually see them hanging from buildings or throwing paint on priceless artworks. But in recent times, extreme has turned to unstable and many
0: are very worried, according to Sky News All-Star Rita Panahi,
1: Now to the UK, where the extremists from the Just Stop Oil group continue to break the law, cause all sorts of disruption and havoc, but they are heroes. Just ask them. How worse does it have to get? How many kids have to die? How many more young people have to do this stuff? I don't know what else to say, Anna. Why aren't you on the streets with us? That's all I can say. How do you explain your inaction? How do you explain it? Everyone here, all the presenters that we talk to, how do you explain your inaction? How much longer are you going to keep this journalistic objectivity up?
0: I'm going to have to reach for a handkerchief right now. Oh. Okay. All right. Thank you. I had to have that moment. You know, there seems to be an increase in climate protests uh, that are becoming more and more fanatical. Destruction of public property, destruction of works of art, shutting down of freeways, blocking people from even entering their offices are becoming more and more emotionally charged and connected to the climate change narrative. It seems like the climate change activists are beginning to exhibit cult-like behavior, Let's listen. Cut number 1B.
1: In the past, climate activists were merely a bunch of
0: university students with placards. But they've since expanded into a scary cult who are brainwashing young minds, says Sky News all-star Corey Bernardi.
1: No one seemed to be able to explain how or why the climate has been much warmer or cooler previously. And yet apparently now it's a man-made catastrophe. Well, the reason for that is because most people haven't got a clue how the weather has been manipulated as a means of control. Allowing the world to think that disaster is imminent and man is somehow responsible allows bad actors to seize control of your life and implement an agenda that empowers them.
0: So this is the whole point. The point is not that the world is coming to an end because temperatures are rising. This is the story they're trying to sell us. The point is that by drumming this fear porn, constantly beating this drum that the earth is about to be destroyed because of anthropogenic reasons, man-made reasons, what this does is it drives this radical environmental response, particularly among young people, because they don't know. They're not earth scientists. They haven't looked at the data sets. They haven't crunched the numbers. They've just been influenced by their professors and their teachers and what they hear in social media. And so it's driving this narrative. There is a deeper political goal behind all of this. And I would suggest that it's instability and it is driving a narrative which at the end is trying to and would like to assert control over nations and nation states in order to overthrow current leadership and usher in a different form of leadership. Now, in this next segment, we're going to hear from Dr. Judith Curry. She's Professor Emeritus and former chair of the School of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences at the Georgia Institute of Technology. She's become known as one of the outspoken scientists who doubt the scientific consensus on climate change. Let's listen to what she has to say about this particular topic. Cut number 2A.
1: It seems to have changed in terms of terminology it was global warming and then that shifted to climate change and recently it's now a climate emergency other than global warming being a component of climate change what potential reasons are there for this shift in terminology well people are trying to figure out how they're going to get people's attention Okay, now it's not now they use global heating. Heating sounds more dangerous than warming. Warming sounds sort of nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the attention I mean the attention is really shifted to these extreme weather events, you know, hurricanes and floods and heat waves and whatever. But there's very little evidence to tie. I mean that's really part of natural weather and climate variability. You know, any signal from global warming usually can't be teased out. Um, in terms of these events and um, attempting to say, oh, this is global warming, you know, the floods in Pakistan and Hurricane Ian and whatever, you know, it's it's possible that there's a minuscule component from the overall global warming, but it's very difficult to tease out from natural variability. These events would have happened anyways, (laughs) you know, you know, with possibly some minor change associated with the warming, but you can't really decipher that in an objective way.
0: So, a number of things. First, she's having this conversation, and this is uh, Dr. Judith Curry. Now, she was, remember, Professor Emeritus, former Chair of School of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences, Georgia Institute of Technology. So, this is her field. If Anyone should understand or be able to understand the data sets and what the data sets are telling us regarding global warming and any sort of climate emergency, it would be her. Now, she notices first that the narrative changed. And so you really have to think back about 15 years, even 20 years, and some people Young people in particular, very difficult to think back 20 years, and I'm not trying to insult the audience. Please don't switch the dial. I mean, if you're a young person and you're in your early 20s right now, you weren't paying particular attention to this when you were 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. You weren't. You may have, and that would put you at the head of your class. But most people don't pay attention to this, in particular, until they become older. So if you're listening to this program and you're in your 40s, you may remember that when all of this alarmism began, they called it global warming. And they drove that, and they drove that, and they drove that. Al Gore and others talked about global warming, Well, then what started happening was during the winters, we had extreme cold and there were global warming conferences that were taking place and outside the building was snow. So that didn't work. So they had to change the terminology and it changed to climate change. And this happened over 10 years ago. Could have been as long as 12 years ago or more. I'm just giving round numbers. So if you weren't paying attention to how the narrative shifted over the last 20 years, then you would not have noticed this. But Dr. Judith Curry does make a point. It shifted from global warming about 25, 30 years ago to climate change, maybe 12 years ago. And then most recently, within the last four years, apparently, Clearly, during the Biden administration and the ramp up to the Biden administration and his campaigning uh, to become president, Biden talks about global warming as an existential threat. He says this is the most severe threat to the United States of America, not fentanyl coming across our borders, killing 100,000 Americans. Not the fact that 7 to 8 million illegal immigrants have entered through the southern border over the last three years. Nope, that's not it either. Not the fact that the Chinese make the majority of pharmaceutical products for the United States of America. And that the Chinese, through their Belt and Road program, are trying to control world trade by controlling the distribution channels all around the world, the shipping lanes and the trucking lanes between countries. No, that's not an existential threat. The existential threat, according to Biden, is global warming. So why did it change? And and then she gets to it. She says, this is again, Dr. Judith Curry. She said this change that's happened over the last 20, 25 years of language, From global warming to climate change, now ramping it up to an existential threat, a climate emergency, because global warming kind of sounds nice and fuzzy, and it's not so bad to be warm. Certainly better than being in the Ice Age, and we only came out of the Little Ice Age in 1850, according to geologists, but most people don't study geology or read those articles. The reason the language has changed, she said, is because they were not getting the reaction out of the public that they wanted. People were not being motivated. They weren't out in the streets. They weren't protesting. They weren't raising up signs. But now that it's being pushed as an existential threat, we're seeing more and more activism at a higher level. We're seeing people blocking freeways, people stopping the morning traffic so that people can't get to work on time. We're seeing people go into art galleries and destroy famous works of art. So what we're saying here is this is a psychological operation. That's what I'm saying. Now, she didn't mention that. That's not The point of her conversation, but she does observe these data points and that the language has changed. Now we're going to continue. In the next segment, we get to the heart of the matter and Dr. Judith Curry discusses what the true motives are in the academic field. Why are these academics supporting the climate disaster narrative? Dr. Curry doesn't support it, She's out of a job. But when asked why her colleagues continue to support it, please, you've got to hear this. This is extremely important. Why are these professors saying what they're saying? Let's listen to this, cut number 2B.
1: You know, there's a whole bunch of complicated motives here. Um, People's worldview, their politics, career investments in a certain narrative, um, wanting to play various political games. Um, If you want to, if you're an academic scientist working in the climate area and you want to advance and get grant money and professional recognition, you would be well-served to hew to the alarmist narrative. I mean, the people who are getting professional recognition and being put in charge of big institutes and centers are all alarmists. I mean, who, who speak about doom and gloom and exaggerate.
0: So let's boil it down. What she's saying is if you want to be the chair of a department – if you want to be able to go on the lecture circuit, write books, be promoted, be an important conference speaker at an academic conference, if you want your curricula vitae moving forward in terms of academic achievement. And please understand, I have a PhD In the field of communication. My PhD is not in this field, but I understand how academia works. The conferences and the people that are invited to conferences and the people that speak as keynote speakers at conferences, that's everything. These are the creds that academics get. Being a department chair at a major university. Huge creds. Publishing in the top-rated scientific journal in your particular field, and then ultimately being one of the people that make up the board, the reviewers, the peer reviewers of these academic journals. That's everything. You've got creds. And what she's saying is that If you want to advance yourself in your career, if you want to obtain these sorts of acknowledgments from your academic peers, the only way you can do it if you're in the climate sciences is that you have to go along with the narrative. You have to become a climate alarmist yourself. And so, bottom line, what does this mean? I think everybody can understand it. It means that it's all about money. It's about money. It's about power. And it's about recognition. They're asking these people to lay aside logic, facts, and objectivity. Just lay that aside. Go along with the narrative. Kowtow to the narrative. And you will be rewarded financially. And this is what she is saying. So climate science, it's been politicized and it's far from reaching any sort of academic consensus. But those academics that push back against it, those academics in the climate sciences who refuse to go along with the narrative They basically lose their jobs. So academic rigor, let's talk about that. Well, it's gone out the window. Politics and virtue signaling has taken the front seat in the field of climate and earth sciences. Dr. Judith Curry stated, if you want to advance your academic career, then you're going to have to go along with the global warming and the climate change narrative. Now, this next clip, this final clip from the same interview, talks about the comparing the reality based on data to the disaster narrative that we hear in the mainstream media. Let's take a listen to this. It's one minute.
1: How far is reality from this doom and gloom field? It's, it's very far. It's very far from gloom and doom. Okay. So it's not a promise? No. You know, if you go back, okay, I'm in the middle. Okay. People are being sued left and right over bad weather. You know, governments, oil companies, and everything, because they're not doing... uh, People who think that they can control the climate (laughs) by, you know, it's just a pipe dream. Uh, Even if we went to net zero we would barely notice. It would be hard to detect any change in the climate. The climate's going to do what the climate's going to do. And there's a lot of inertia in the system. If what, if the carbon dioxide that we've put in is as important, as bad as some people seem to think, those effects are going to be with us for a very, very long time. And stopping now isn't going to, (laughs) you know, change that trajectory very much.
0: I love her frankness, Dr. Curry says, even if we reach net zero, the climate's going to do what the climate's going to do. And there's going to be no change or very little change, very difficult to measure any change in the climate. Now, let me just put this question out to you because you who are listening to this are some of the smartest people out there. You've hung along with me up until this point. And let me just ask this question. Have you ever got on an airplane and flown across the Atlantic Ocean or flown across the Pacific Ocean? Made any sort of intercontinental travel going across a large body of water? When you do, you look down and you finally get this idea of how immense this planet is. Absolutely immense. There are even some flights from the United States to Europe that travel a northerly route and close to the Arctic Circle. This is an enormous planet. I want you to get that picture in mind. Some of you haven't taken that trip. The planet is enormous. And she's laughing. She's saying it's absolutely laughable, ridiculous to think that human beings can change the temperature of this planet. Her quote, what she said is, the weather's going to do what the weather's going to do. It's been rising and falling for millions of years, and it will continue to do that. Now, geologists understand this because they've looked at ice core samples from Greenland, Antarctica, and other frozen tundra areas. The data are all there. They know the various heating and cooling cycles of the Earth. The Earth is going to do what the Earth is going to do. And without getting too far into the weeds, there have been periods of time on planet Earth when it's been far warmer than it is right now. And yet, the Earth is doing fine. We're all here. Now, a couple of other things to notice. Dr. Curry has stated publicly that the data do not support the conclusion of man-made or anthropogenic global warming being a crisis. Now, what do I mean by the data? This is weather data, which they've gathered Numerous ways, weather stations all over the world, but there's not a lot of recent data from weather stations. Most of that is only a few hundred years old. The instruments didn't exist, and people weren't gathering data all over the world from weather stations. So what do we have? We've got ice core samples, we've got weather balloons, and we have data gathered from weather stations. There really are not a lot of data sets that go over time. The most accurate data sets that we have going over millennia are these ice core samples. And you can dig into that a bit deeper. Now, Dr. Curry's career has been terminated. She no longer has a job. Why? Because she's dared to go against the narrative. And because of this, she's paid the price. It's notable that 1,609 scientists and counting, that's gonna grow, around the world have agreed to the document called World Climate Declaration. And we mentioned this in the last show. But they're saying that the climate alarmist narrative is completely false. It can't, it's in other words. It's not supported empirically with the climate data that's available. Not supported. So there are thousands of scientists out there. And there are other documents and other petitions that have been signed. This is only one of them, the World Climate Declaration. Dr. Curry concludes that there is no climate emergency and that the data sets don't show the world is about to be destroyed because of man-made global warming. Notice, she even said that reaching net zero will have very little measurable effect, if any. But President Biden is telling us that this is the greatest threat to the United States of America. It's an existential threat. Why? Why would he do that? Because he wants us to take our eyes off of the obvious. The border is being invaded. We've got millions of illegals pouring in. It's sort of like this. Hey, look over there to the left. There's a shiny object in the room. And so we turn our heads to the left. Oh, global warming, existential threat. When what's happening behind us on the other side of the room is that real bad guys are invading. Real bad guys are coming across the border with fentanyl. Real human trafficking is taking place. This is an insidious narrative that is happening. Biden is a traitor to the United States of America. Make no mistake about it. The Democrats hate America. They hate anyone that actually wants to Talk about facts or logic. They hate you if you reject the narrative and they hate people like Dr. Judith Curry. (music) And now our final segment, which we call The Bigger Picture. Clearly, there are a lot of people that are upset about the climate change issue. No one's disputing that. The question is, does the worldwide level of climate hysteria and activism have a grounding in reality? After all, if I thought that my entire neighborhood would be set on fire intentionally by a group of terrorists, and I was convinced of this fact, I would think that it would be reasonable to alert my neighbors, and you'd probably do the same thing. But here's the critical question. Is it reasonable to conclude that the entire planet is about to be destroyed and that if society does not stop oil, gas, and coal production immediately, that we will all die very soon? Well, don't even bring up the point that 80% of the Earth's energy is currently produced by oil, gas, and coal. You're not allowed to say that. You're also not allowed to say that millions of people would freeze during the winter and that factories and farms that produce food would simply shut down because they wouldn't have the energy to run the farming equipment and the equipment in the food processing plants. That makes too much sense. You're not allowed to say that. So if Americans don't freeze to death, they'll starve to death if all fossil fuel energy sources suddenly come to a halt. And we're not allowed to say that either. It's too logical, too simple-minded. We're being told that there's something bigger going on here and that we need to get on board with the programming. And so I would agree... Partially with that statement, there is something bigger going on here, although I don't think that the climate activists would appreciate what I'm about to say, because once one has gone deep down the rabbit hole, it's hard to see the blue sky that's overhead. Well, I've come to the following conclusion that seems to explain the fanatical commitment to the crisis of man-made global warming. And here it is. The climate change narrative is a secular religion. Now think about it. The climate change narrative has all the prerequisites of a religion. You've got prophets. You've got salvation. You have disciples. And you have this whole idea of building a heavenly kingdom on earth. You doubt me? Hang on. You've got prophets. You've got certain climate scientists who buy into the narrative, which Dr. Curry has referred to. And you've got politicians who are prophets, like Vice President Al Gore. And of course, we can trust every word that he says, including the fact that he claimed to invent the internet. What about salvation? Well, A person becomes saved when you embrace the gospel of saving the planet through climate activism. Not only do you save the planet, you save yourself, and you become a believer. And then there's the topic of discipleship. Well, how does that work? Well, when you read and listen to what the prophets, those climate scientists, They go along with the, the narrative of global warming and the existential threat of climate change. When you listen to these climate scientists and those prophets, like Mr. Gore, you are sharing, learning, and having conversations about the various talking points behind the climate crisis narrative. And as you share, and as you imbibe, and as you embrace these talking points, you're basically learning, indulging in the scriptures of climate change. And what about a new heaven on earth? The promise is utopia on earth, peace, prosperity, and a thankful mother earth who will be protected and nurtured environmentalism is now a religion, and the God being worshipped is the earth itself. Well, let's talk about some of the talking points behind climate activism, essentially the canon or the scriptures that they all recite. First of all, we need to eliminate fossil fuel energy production. That's at the top of the list. Second, We need to reduce carbon dioxide production. That's at the top of the list, too. And perhaps eliminating carbon dioxide production is first. And it's done by eliminating fossil fuel energy production. You you can work that out. These are both at the top of the list, probably tied right at the top. So how do you reduce carbon dioxide production? Well, everybody knows you get rid of cows because they burp and there's methane gas and that's a problem. You get rid of gas stoves. Oh, we don't want gas stoves. You get rid of lawnmowers and appliances like chainsaws that use gasoline, petroleum products. You get rid of diesel-powered 18-wheeler trucks. California's already passed a law. They want to move towards electric 18-wheel trucks. We'll see how that works out. They want to get rid of gas heating in your homes. Can't heat your homes with gas. Get rid of that gas-burning furnace that pushes the hot air through the house. And certainly can't use coal, another fossil fuel. Don't want to use that to warm your house during the winter. And get rid of military equipment that uses fossil fuels. Nope, don't want that. We're just going to put solar panels in windmills on top of aircraft carriers to propel them. Kind of sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? And then there's the other point of the canon to reduce industrialization. Well, we've got too many factories that use fossil fuels, so that's a problem. Got to get rid of factories. And we have to hate the factory owners and the entrepreneurs that build them. Evil capitalists that are putting out carbon dioxide. But if your dedication to saving the planet is to such a point where you worship the created thing, earth, and not the creator, then there's a real problem. Earth-worshipping cults have been around for thousands of years Life did not go well for them. Archaeologies uncovered the evidence, but most people don't want to bother to read and learn what happened to these civilizations. That's history. That's just old people. We're not interested in that. What's on the latest TikTok video? That's what's important. That's why I've come to the conclusion that the global warming narrative is actually a religion, It's an ideological framework, and once a person is dedicated to such a construct—facts, logic, reason—they become irrelevant. Here at Narrative Wars, we're not hesitant to challenge big media, gaslighting, and hegemony of public thought. We expose groupthink, wrongthink, and government and society that intentionally— deceive the public. The good news is that the public has been steadily turning to alternative news sources and sources of information. Open societies are supposed to be places where the public is allowed to disagree with each other. This is a tradition that goes back to Athens, Greece, and the Areopagus. The comforting thought is that we still live in a country where we have freedom to think and speak up for what we believe in. That is the legacy of the land of the free and the home of the brave, a place where we can still proclaim liberty throughout the land. And that's a comforting thought. Until next time for Narrative Wars, I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people so tired hey.